0: Welcome to the War in Ukraine Update from Kyiv podcast. I'm Jessica Ganauer, a lecturer in international relations at Lindas University in Australia. I'm delighted to be talking today with Ulrika Franca. Ulrika is a senior policy fellow at the European Council on Foreign Relations and leads the Council's Technology and European Power Initiative. Ulrika focuses in her work on German and European security and defense, including the future of warfare, and in particular, the impact of new technologies such as drones and artificial intelligence on geopolitics and warfare. Ulrika has published widely on these issues, and I'll put a link to some of Ulrika's publications in the show notes. Whilst all of these are fascinating issue areas that clearly intersect with the current conflict in Ukraine. We're actually going to focus today on Germany's position vis-a-vis Ukraine and the current conflict. Thanks for joining me today Ulrika. Well, thanks a lot for having me. Germany really has a critical and quite powerful place in the European architecture. Since the full-scale Russian invasion of Ukraine, we've seen Germany navigating this somewhat awkward tightrope between, on the one hand, increasing defence spending quite significantly in a way that we haven't seen since World War II, and reversing this long-standing policy of not sending weapons into a conflict zone, but on the other hand, seeming to be quite hesitant or cautious, some observers have said, backtracking on the extent and the type of weapons that it agrees to send to ukraine etc first of all how big a shift was that initial decision to increase defense spending and to actually send weapons into a conflict zone like did that decision surprise you and did it have widespread support amongst the german population
1: Yeah. So the question of how big a shift is this really is something that a lot of Germans are wondering about at the moment. So basically what happened is that after the 24th of February, after after Russia invaded Ukraine, you know, very quickly, the German government, which, by the way, hasn't been in power for so long, um, they only uh, came in, in power a few months ago they decided there would be this change in policy, this Seitenwende, as they call it, you know, a real turn of events. And on the 27th, so just three days after the invasion, the chancellor gave this big speech in the parliament and really announced so many things that were quite mind-blowing, especially for someone like me who has been working on, on German security and defense for quite a long time, because in one speech, he just solved a lot of Issues that we have been discussing for ages, like should Germany get an armed drone? Should Germany get F-35 aircraft? Should Germany stay in NATO nuclear sharing? All of this, he just said, yes, 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 we're doing it. And I was like, okay, I'm out of a job. Well. And he also announced, you know, 100 billion for the Bundeswehr. That being said, since then, there has been a little bit of backtracking. I mean, we already had this moment in 2014. In 2014, we had what we were calling the Munich consensus, where there were a lot of German politicians kind of on the stage at the Munich Security conference and they said, oh, yeah, Germany is going to take on this leadership role and we will take on more responsibility, et cetera, et cetera. And the allies really believed it. And then not that much happened. Right. And that was great for our international standing. The question is, will the same happen now? On the one hand, yes, there's always a danger that this happens. On the other hand, this time we're talking real money. We're talking real decisions. Again, these 100 billion, they will be spent. So it's not just rhetoric. So I'm kind of torn. I would put it this way. From a German point of view, this is a big step. And there's definitely, it's not just, you know, the 100 billion and the speech and all of this, but also a change in view by the general public. You can see this in polling, etc. So from a German point of view, this is a big step From the outside, you know, some of it may not
0: seem like such a big step. Yeah, I guess in that regard, like in some ways, it's been a little bit confusing looking on from the outside, seeing Germany sort of make these declarations, but then seeming to hesitate. Is that because what was decided was kind of going a little bit too far, a bit too fast for German domestic population population? or is it something that's more political leaders feeling cautious where the population actually feels less cautious
1: yeah exactly i actually think so it's i think it's the latter so the german population has changed its views quite dramatically and quite surprisingly now mind you these moods, they don't necessarily last very long and it's always just a poll. So, you know, let's not overinterpret. But, you know, you had all these polls where, for example, a majority of Germans all of a sudden were in favor of exporting arms and even heavy arms to Ukraine, while the government wasn't at the time. It's not the public that has caused this hesitation. What is important to understand is that This government is really walking a tightrope, both just generally as a German government, because there are several things they need to take into consideration. Energy security, dependencies, a general view of how Germany sees itself in the world and in Europe. But this government in particular has its difficulties dealing with this moment, because currently the coalition government is between three parties, right? So it's led by the Social Democrats and Olaf Scholz, we have the Greens and the Liberals. And this isn't kind of the most obvious coalition to begin with, but they manage quite nicely to to come together. However, they have different views and most importantly, very different histories when it comes to these questions of A, dealing with Russia in general, and B, military and defense questions. So the Social Democrats, they have this whole long history of wanting to engage with Russia, even Mm -hmm. with Putin. There is this term of, you know, Putin for Russia for people that understand Putin and, and Russia. And these people are mainly from the social democrats so they have a long history of kind of saying no no we need to engage with russia we need to trade with them so they can change all of this and they are really facing a new situation this is really really hard Scholz and the whole party kind of needs to take this into account and and deal with this history then you have the greens which haven't really been in government often which means that they don't really have a a long history of doing things wrong or right but also not doing things wrong right so they can't (laughs) be blamed for many many wrong decisions in the past but they have a history of actual pacifism, right? So Germans and the German society in general is pretty anti-military or very critical of the military, but the greens the history of the greens is, really comes out of the peace movement, movement and pacifism. And so for these people, even though the new generation you know aren't pacifists, it's still really hard to now say, sure, let's spend 100 billion for the Bundeswehr and let's buy all this kid and send kid into war zones. And then finally, the liberals, I think for them on this account, it's kind of the easiest, but they are, you know, very economy focused. And so, of course, they have to deal with the sanctions and see how to make sure that the sanctions don't hurt the German economy too much. So you have all these kind of different interests here. And I think this is why, you know, this would be a tricky situation for any German government. You know, it's not as if it's just this one. But in addition, this coalition has kind of an added level of difficulty because of a history of Dealing with Russia, Nord Stream 2, you have these kind of Mm -hmm. elements of history that make it really difficult
0: and really hard for the parties to take very strong Mm stances. I can understand that. It's definitely a complex situation to navigate. And as you mentioned as well, it's quite a new government. In that regard, I mean, there's been some criticism of the previous Chancellor, Angela Merkel, saying that during her time, she was trying to get a little too close to Russia. You mentioned in this recent article that you wrote for War on the Rocks that I'll also link to in the show notes that Germany seemed to have an approach for quite a long time of expecting that countries such as Russia, such as China, would moderate in their behavior, would increase political and civil rights as they engaged more economically with established democracies. Do you think that there was something sort of naive about that expectation or was that a reasonable expectation given the information that was available at the time?
1: I would say it was a bit naive, or let's put it more nicely, it was basically wishful thinking. I think what happened, by the way, not just in Germany, but in the Western world more broadly, but as I argue in the article, all of this really culminated in Germany and it's most, it was most present in Germany. I think what happened is that after 1989 and 90. Germany really adopted this idea of the end of history in the sense that, you know, ideological fights would be over. The world had kind of understood that, you know, the best system clearly is liberal democracy underpinned by a kind of capitalism and regulated capitalism and international law and international conflicts just wouldn't be decided anymore through military conflict, military power. But it would be about economic power and economic relations and all of this. And I think this is something that, again, a lot of people in the West kind of believed or believed or wanted to believe, and Germany in particular. And the thing is, in a way, they were right for quite a long time, right? I mean, I, mm. I grew up in the 90s, and I remember this whole, like, you know, European Union becoming ever larger, Eastern European countries becoming ever more democratic, developing economically, all of this... And then it didn't anymore. Um, and I think it took a long time for Germans to realize that, okay, maybe this idea of the end of history, you know, that the history didn't end and other countries and other leaders are seeing this differently. And so in a way, in the same way that the Americans, I think, realized a few years before us that the liberal dream didn't work for China and this whole idea of, you know, China is going to develop economically and then you have the middle class asking for democracy. The Americans at one point realized, like, that's not going to happen and we have to change accordingly. And now, over the last few months, definitely, maybe even before a few years, Germans are realizing that, yeah, maybe this idea of, of this geopolitical end in history isn't going to happen either. And that's a rude awakening, especially when it comes to the element of military power, right? Because one real big thing here was that Germans could discount military power. I mean, they did so very nicely under the nuclear umbrella of the United States and NATO, something we we'll never talk about, but they could hmm. basically say, you know what, military power doesn't matter anymore, that or not as much. We don't need to spend all this money on tanks, we can spend it on kindergartens. So we lived quite nicely with this. But now we're realizing that we need to realize that military power is part of geopolitical power. It's not just about kind of using military power, but it's also about having military power in order to, you know, have a seat at the table for deterrence, uh, in order to help your allies, all of this. And I think this is the kind of thought process that Germans are currently going through, are forced to go through. Mm -hmm. And some of them, you know, really are going through it and others are very much rejecting it. It's a whole whole thing. And it really shows that we now have much more discussions about these issues in Germany, which I think is, is a good thing. I've been pushing for this, you know, way before for the the conflict, but this is hard,
0: right? It's always hard mm-hmm. to abandon convictions. It also just makes me think when you talk about that hesitancy to kind of develop military capability, I mean, there's partly that idea of the end of history, but partly for Germany, I guess we also have to think back to World War II. Yeah. And it's also been fascinating to me how President Putin has mentioned a lot of things that hark back to World War II. And I guess there are still a lot of ripple effects or ramifications in the mental and you know emotional worlds of, of populations I mean, my personal experiences visiting Germany, it seemed like of any country, Germany had really taken on board, like very seriously kind of addressing what you could call the mistakes of history. But I wonder for people also, how much is that present or how much does that factor in when maybe older generations have hesitancy towards developing Germany's military capability?
1: It's a huge factor. And actually, I think you're absolutely right to mention this. And in a way, I almost didn't mention it because it is so present that I don't really think about that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So no, absolutely. German Geopolitical German international thinking is very much influenced by World War II and specifically the Shoah and the whole reckoning with its own history. I think this is definitely the backdrop to pretty much all of German international discussions and not just for kind of the grandparents' generation, but even, you know, for the generations afterwards, because this is really something that we really learn at school. I almost, you know, joke to say, you know, if there's one thing you learn in history lessons and in Germany, it's the whole story of, of World War II, and again, especially the Shoah. And you could also see this at the beginning of the war. It was Annalena Baerbock, so the German foreign minister, who justified, I think at this point, it was indeed not sending weapons to Ukraine by saying, you know, this German decision is rooted in history. And she didn't say, you know, rooted in our experiences of World War II, but it was extremely clear to everyone that this was what she was referring to. And basically what she means by that is that we as a society have come to terms with our history in the sense that We have basically drawn the lesson of World War II that military confrontation is bad. The military, military power is bad. Fighting war is bad and terrible. And therefore, we should do everything to avoid any kind of war and also even not really have too much military power to begin with, if you like. And of course, there were a lot of people from other countries, I mean, eventually also from Germany that said, you know what, there are also different lessons that you can learn from World War II. I mean, you know, the Americans on D-Day and later on didn't fight the Nazis with, you know, butterflies and, uh, and honeybees like they, they used weapons. And this is about military power. And maybe you need military power to fight back against invasion and against aggression. And I even experienced this quite a bit myself. I mean, not so much in recent weeks, but you know, whenever I spoke on the German media on German TV and said, I would say, you know, very not particularly controversial things like Germany really needs more of a debate on security and defense. And it's really important that we talk about this more. I got quite a few emails, you know, some of them very angry, basically saying, don't you have grandparents that were in the war, fought in the war? Like, Mm. don't you realize what you're advocating for? I was like, I didn't say, let's invade our neighbors. I'd say, let's talk a little bit more about military and defense because it's important.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting how, I mean, I guess it's part of human psychology. Like we take an event, but then we make it mean a particular thing. Like how you said a certain lesson was learned. And then it's like, that's the lesson that gains traction and maintains sort of a story or a narrative over time. And it's almost seen as if that's exclusively the way to understand it. How do you see Germany's position stabilising over coming months or years, I guess specifically towards the conflict in Ukraine, but maybe also that kind of shifting of identity towards a state that's not only economically powerful but also militarily powerful, Do you see this as a kind of inflection point for Germany, where now Germany will head towards being a military power in Europe as well as an economic power?
1: Somehow, I don't quite
0: see Germany
1: become like a real military power and take on a a real kind of leadership role on this in in Europe. I mean, partly, maybe this is my bias towards continuity, and maybe I can't grasp the the change in time, which is very possible. But on the one hand, and this is something I'm actually slightly concerned by, if you look at polls and, and positions and all of that, you can see that some of those that were kind of the most pacifist or the most careful when it com- came to all these things, military, they have now swung most. So mainly mainly the kind of the green supporters, right? If you look at the polls, like they used to be those mostly critical of the military and would have been mostly critical of exporting arms. And they are now the biggest supporters. And I'm always a bit wary of these kind of pendulum swings in public opinion. I think that's always a bit dangerous. So that's happening a, a little bit. So that's something that we need to look at. But at the same time, I think there's such a long tradition, I mean, long in terms of decades, not centuries, of course, but you know, over the last few decades, there's such a long tradition of being very careful when it comes to military power that, yeah, I don't quite see Germany look at the world very differently from one day to the other and kind of, I don't know, think about the world more like the Brits or the French. And then also, I mean, just as a final note, it's not as if Germany needs to become the next France. Within Europe, within the European Union, I actually think that quite often Germany has played a rather good role in having a slightly different view and then trying different avenues and all of that. Don't get me wrong, I wouldn't say this for Ukraine because I think it's absurd to kind of keep saying it, oh yeah, but diplomacy is really important when, you know, there's an invasion and the other side doesn't want to talk and people are dying. Like at one point it becomes absurd, but still I think overall it's not too bad that Germany has this role within the EU. I think that the public is being familiarize with these issues more, which I think is generally a good thing uh, that the political realm is thinking about this more. So so hopefully, yeah, this debate will lead to a more I almost want to say a more grown up Germany, or at least, uh, yeah, if you if we take this, this term, a less naive um, uh, approach to geopolitics. And that would be good news.
0: Yeah, I guess it certainly sparked sort of conversations that, as you said, you've been saying needed to be had for quite some time. And certainly those bigger shifts tend to happen slowly and take more time, not something that's likely to happen very quickly. Well, thanks so much, Ulrika. I appreciate you sharing your insights with us on the podcast today. I've enjoyed the discussion. My pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me. You've been listening to the update from Key Podcast. Thanks to Mr. Smith for our theme music. See you next episode.